Hello, I'm Martin Shepherds, and this is a Christmas kind of story for Comet Talk. It's a short story. I call this the Christmas Tree Promise. When my dad worked for Trans Oak Pipeline, part of a public service company, around Christmas, we kids would take a special interest waiting for his arrival home while he was out changing charts and recording information about sections of the pipeline, he would get permission from a property owner to cut a cedar tree for our Christmas tree. Once he brought that home, we'd drag out the decorations, the nativity scene, those beautiful blinking General Electric lights, and we'd get ready to decorate. But we had to wait for dad to hang those lights. And if you know my dad, it had to be perfect. So it took a little while and then it would be perfect. And we would decorate. And then my older siblings would hang the leaded tinsel uh, that we saved and used over and over every year. And my mom would, of course, help them. Now, around this time, my sister Greta and I would clean my Mimi and granddad's house every Saturday for a quarter. And around Christmas, granddad would get a four-foot Douglas fir and back then they were very open trees um, mainly because they were harvested wild in forest where you get one out of ten trees that would make a natural christmas tree and once that was done we had to wait christmas eve opening presents was going to be happening at mimi and granddad's we would have to wait for aunt carmen uncle peyton and their son brent to arrive in the evening from fort smith and then we would have our traditional Christmas Eve meal, which was actually smoked hamburgers that my dad would smoke. Then we would open presents for Mimi and Granddad and Aunt Carmen and Uncle Peyton. It was all very exciting to little kids. Early the next morning, Grammy and Papa Shepherds would come over and our Santa Claus presents, we'd already have them open and be playing with them. Uh, we'd have all kinds of candy from a family in Philadelphia that sent candy from their confectionery every uh, Easter and Christmas for us to use. We would open the presents from Grammy and Papa and then we would all head off to Mass. After Mass, there was a big meal with ham and trimmings. In the first grade when we got out for Christmas, I asked the nun if I could take the Christmas tree with me after the day ended before Christmas break there. She agreed that would be fine. It always had made me feel sad for my Grammy and Papa because I never ever had seen a Christmas tree in their house. Having lived through the depression, having raised a family through it, my grandmother was what you would call extremely frugal and that, that would be an understatement. And no money would be wasted on a tree in her house if there were no kids living there. And here I come dragging this tree from across the street and I tell her, I think she needs a Christmas tree. She allowed me to drag it in we stood it up and I asked, well, Grammy, where are your where are your decorations? And she said, I don't have any. I think they probably ended up at our house. So what we did is we got crayons and paper and we colored thin strips and made colorful chain to drape around the tree. And then we got popcorn and a needle and thread. And we made another garland out of popcorn and we strung that around the tree. It ended up being a really nice tree and I think it made her, it made her happy. And of course that made me happy. A few years later, we moved to Tulsa in the mid-1960s and sending six or seven kids to private Catholic schools, making payments on a house in Shawnee that hadn't sold yet, making payments on a house in Tulsa. Well, things were tight for the first couple of years. And my dad had learned a lot of things from his parents and being very thrifty was one of them. So since we were going back to Shawnee for Christmas and my Mimi and granddad would have a tree, there was no good reason for us to put a tree up in our house. I think probably my older siblings, Kathy, Hank, and Paul understood this probably better than Greta, John, Mary, and myself, but we had decided we were going to do something about it. We climbed into a huge cedar in the side yard with a bunch of tools. 
we sawed off branches and then we got some old dry cleaner hangers and we wired together a Christmas tree. It would make a Charlie Brown tree look good. We drug out the lights and ornaments and tinsel and we set up the nativity scene. We had everything looking great, we thought. So we were very proud of our work and we went next door to the ballet studio at 15th and Madison that our neighbor June Runyon operated and we, we told her she needed to come see what we had done. Several years later, we found out several things. June, after seeing that, thought we must be destitute to have to resort to a Christmas tree like that. And she went back to her house and gathered up bags of groceries, bringing them back to my mom, who could not convince her otherwise that we were okay. And mom, years later, said she cried over that special little tree we built out of love and made dad promise, promise we would always have a Christmas tree at Christmas no matter what. Years later, I somehow convinced my dad and eventually the whole family that we should start a choose and cut Christmas tree farm on the five acres next to our house in Haskell. So we planted trees for four years or so before we had trees that we could sell at what we called Shep's Christmas tree plantation. We'd turned the old shed into an equipment storage except at Christmas season when we would conduct business from this shop. We made handmade fresh wreaths that my wife would put together. We would add birds' nests that had fallen out of the trees. Uh, we'd put fake little birds with eggs in it. They were really popular on those wreaths. Uh, we'd serve a secret recipe of apple cider, nice and hot to all the people who had gone out searching for trees and were, were frankly, ever freezing. Uh, we would sell all kinds of little stuff. And one of the things we came up with, everybody that bought a tree got a little ornament that was made out of a piece of a stump cut like a coin that said Shep's Christmas Tree Plantation and it had a date on it. People would come year after year to look at uh, look and buy at our fresh trees and our bald and bag trees from this little plantation. And they would return year after year to buy that tree and get a free ornament. Some Kelly people may even remember the tree farm because I, I used the Kelly alumni book to send out flyers to everybody in that book. I know Paul Kreider and his family would come out with their daughters, uh, Teresa Hans, brother Shelton Jr. would come out every year with his family. And the promise dad made to mom carried for, forward for us out at the tree farm. One time we had a newlywed husband come to look at trees as the store-bought tree he had bought had shed every one of its needles and he could not afford a replacement tree. And he was in the doghouse. And so what we did is we took him out and found a nice little tree, shook out the loose needles and sent him on his way home to make his uh, newly new wife happy for Christmas. And it wasn't unusual to have several families come out during the year looking for a tree and deciding they couldn't afford one. We'd hear them telling their kids, well, kids, we're, we're sorry, but we're not going to have a Christmas tree this year. We would pull them aside and tell them the story about our Christmas tree promise. And we'd go out and find a, a nice tree for them and we'd shake it out and put it in a netting and get it onto their car and send them on their way. Now, the tree farm's been closed for decades now, and, and there's a forest of several thousand wild pine trees. The only thing that goes on there now is it's a home to wildlife and all kinds of birds and squirrels and things that dig holes down in the ground. One of the unusual uses still is Spartan aeronautical students who are getting their pilot's license have to do dead reckoning and one of the things they use for a waypoint or to actually check that they had made proper navigation was that square of well-ordered and gridded out Christmas trees. They can see it from the air really well. So the tree farm is still, while it's not being used for Christmas, is still useful. But my family always remembers the, the Christmases, uh, selling trees to people, planting the trees, all the fun we had doing that, all the great customers we had. 
we always remember the Christmas tree promise. So I want to wish every one of you and your families a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I hope you enjoyed this story. I hope that some of you will consider contributing some story of your own. And again, I wish you a Merry Christmas. Do you have a short story you would like to share with your Bishop Kelly classmates? Wait no more. You'll be pleased to know we have created a format that will allow you to share your short stories on the Comet Talk podcast. To aid our team in presenting your short story, please follow these three simple guidelines. First, please try to keep your story at under eight minutes in length. This format doesn't use an interviewer. It's just you telling your story. The Comet Talk editor will gently remove empty airspace and pauses, so don't worry about bloopers or taking time to catch your thoughts or breath. Second, just record your voice using your cell phone's voice memo application or go on Zoom and record your story and send us the sound file. Our email address is bk74.tulsa at gmail.com. If you have any questions, just send a message to Jim Reed on Facebook Messenger and he will get back with you with the help you need. Finally, once your sound file has been edited, we will send you the final version for your approval. It will not be posted unless you tell us you approve the final version. We appreciate your willingness to share your short stories with your classmates. If you have any questions on how to get started, please reach out to Jim Reed on Facebook Messenger or send an email to bk74.tulsa at gmail.com.